And we're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We give you weekly updates on things you want to know, like off-the-court stories, game highlights, and all-around current sports knowledge, mostly highlighting NBA, NFL, and sometimes college. This week, we give you the best of the NFL and its minority, Black, Hispanic, Asian hiring coach change, and the incentives that comes along with that. Spike Lee to do a remix of He Got Game, we have the NBA officially aiming for July for its return and the specifics on how they would like to conduct the rest of the season or just playoffs have also came out, along with a little bit of rumor from Kendrick Perkins about the 2007 to 2009 Celtics. And Mike Tyson also with a look at possibly returning with some offers for him to fight again. But before we get into it, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the host. My name is Alex and Mohammed. Go ahead and say something for them. Hey, just want to say what's up to all our listeners. Thank you for listening. And make sure you also subscribe to our podcast and other platforms, including Instagram and Twitter. Yes. Uh, go ahead and press subscribe on those other ones. We will be ramping it up on with so much news that is out here now. Uh, you'll get the memes and all of the things. Uh, we'll actually start to give out some souvenirs at some point here also. We'll get into that more. But first, we begin with the NFL's minority coaches hiring change and the incentives that will come along with that. So the Rooney Rule has now been voted out and is no longer required for teams. But they will be rewarding teams, the NFL will will be rewarding teams that hire minority coaches and leadership roles. Now, it will fund more entry-level coaching positions for those minorities and just all around try to put more people of color in the system of the NFL as it has kind of been a closed door. I'll go ahead and ask, has the NFL incentivized it enough to give qualified minority coaches a real head coaching spot? Um, I think that it probably opens the door for them to get a spot at being looked at for a change because you do have some incentives to get them inside the door, even if it is not at just a, a head coach. Um, but the next step is to get that head coaching job because there's only 32 of those jobs and it's one of the most prestigious jobs out there. Um, so I think that it's, I, I guess it's, it's a step in the right direction, but there's more work that has to be done. Okay. I can definitely agree with that. Um, now, I, I, I don't, as far as I saw, they weren't fully sure on uh, giving more draft picks to the third round of the uh, of the draft. So I think at this point, coaches will be willing to because they can also cut their how much it costs for a coach down in these cases uh, when you open it up to newer coaches. So it's not too bad of a situation for these franchises when you can be you can gain more money from the NFL on top of paying less for a coach and more than likely. If they've gotten to this point, they are qualified. Yeah, for the most part, they, they should be qualified. Um, it's just like looking back at 
what they thought of as or thought of the black quarterback. They didn't think that a black man could be able to uh, basically be the quarterback of a team. But now we see there's so many black quarterbacks out there. It's almost really taking over the league and they're being highly successful. So I think that we just need really they just need to open the floodgates so more black coaches have more opportunities and they'll be even more successful. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't care for the whole floodgates. I, I, just, <laughs> I would say just, I would say if they're qualified, give them a real shot. Um, and it's not like it's turned out to be a bad thing anyway. Um, majority of the coach, sorry, the players in the league are black, like a, a large, large, amount somewhere around I think 85% of the NFL um, so it would help that you do have people who relate in those positions um, so I say the NFL they've at least scaved off questions about whether they're making real change and this will just be revisited in another decade as the Rooney rule uh, was supposed to be the same change but never really changed anything yeah, there, there always has to be some type of um, updates that has to be done with almost anything. And you just have to keep trying to improve. Agreed. Agreed. So we'll move it along to a little bit of conversation about The Last Dance, but not The Last Dance since the series did just end. But with the ending of The Last Dance for basketball, which highlights the Bulls and Michael Jordan, which 10-part documentary would you want to see next? The Kobe and Shaq Lakers, 1996 through 2004. The Duncan Popovich Spurs, 1997 to 2016. The Heatles, 2010 through 2014. The LeBron Wade Bosch Heat. Or the Warriors. 2015 to the present which one would you really want to see next i thought this was going to be an open question where i could choose any team but i think i would go with the kobe and Shaq lakers um one one second before you answer there's another there's an open there's another team out there that you would like to be in that position or have see a documentary on yeah, yeah, see another documentary on Well, and then go ahead and answer it that way. I, I, okay. I think that'd be more interesting. Okay, so I'm going to actually switch over to another sport and say the New England Patriots because uh. there's so much <laughs> behind closed doors that we just don't see. You don't see too much from Bill Belichick. Um, Tom Brady, for the most part, has always been uh, looked at as a guy that really doesn't give you too much. I mean, he has gone out and said maybe a couple of things here and there since leaving the Patriots, but there's just so much that we just don't know that we don't get from them from, um, from the outside. We just got to see more. And I would love to see that. You sold me. You sold me. <laughs> you sold me already. Uh, yeah, I, I can't resist. I would, I would have to agree because really, I think everybody kind of wants, not you specifically, because you're a Patriots fan. But on the low, all the other people who are not Patriots fans would want to watch it to see whether they cheat or whether it came out or how they dealt with Spygate or any of those things, even down to their first Super Bowl 
in the practice where the Rams claimed that they filmed their practice. I don't think we would get that much meaty, juicy information from a documentary uh, from them, but I would absolutely love that. So, yes, you sold me on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I want to see everything. And I still think we got the school version of uh, the Michael the Jordan. Water I, I was talking about the, 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 the Michael Jordan documentary because there's so much more that we didn't see. And there's even a couple of players like Horace Grant who didn't like how he was portrayed and Scottie Pippen and just some stuff that just that it wasn't told in the right way or exactly how it happened. You know what it was? What was that? It was uh, d- doused in that uh, MJ special juice. You know, from uh, <laughs> from, uh, <laughs> from Space, Jam. Uh, Space Jam. Yeah, it was watered down. <laughs> and you remember it was a placebo. Like, the MJ special stuff was actually nothing. If you yeah. remember from the actual movie, it was like water. And it's just because he said it was special stuff. Or actually, I think it was Bugs Bunny who said it was special stuff. I'm not sure which one because I haven't seen it in a while. But it wasn't nothing. It was a placebo. It was all in their mind. And yes, I do think it's also a watered down version of the Bulls era, even though they tried to spice it up with the Rodman antics. Yeah, the Rodman antics aren't really looked at as great, um, even just looking back at it. They, I mean, they, they did try to spice it up with that and they just said, let Dennis Rodman be himself. But that's what really ended his career early is because he was just too wild and nobody was able to control him after his Detroit days. True, but looking back at it, we all clearly see he was only looking for attention. At this point, I think he even admits he was just looking for attention. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I'm less not sure about if he's changed crazy. for the better or not. Well, and I think it's a whole lot less about him being crazy and outlandish and just unpredictable, as people thought, versus him doing unpredictable things to get the attention from the people as they gave it to him. Yeah, because, you, I mean, you see a player like that playing with this this uh, this great team, historical team, is it's just crazy and you got to cover it. Yeah, you see, you saw the craziness that happened when he dressed into uh, a wedding dress. Who does that anyway? Uh, but uh, we'll we're way off the actual Young thug. question. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but <laughs> that's a conversation for another day. But from the options I did give you, from the Kobe, Shaq, Duncan, Popovich, the heroes of LeBron and Wade and Bosch, or the Warriors, which ten part documentary would you want to see? I would like to see the Kobe and Shaq documentary because um, I, I feel like you can easily find most of the stuff that happened over the past 10 years. Not that you can't with the Kobe and Shaq, but a lot of that stuff gets forgotten over so many years. And we just don't remember exactly how the tension was between those two um, and just how it all ended. And I'm pretty sure it was a really bad breakup. Because I remember during that time, Kobe and Shaq really weren't talking. But over time, they made up. Um, and I would like to see that kind of that happy ending in a way. Okay, I can agree. Um, I had to think about it real quick. Because, of course, I'm a LeBron-heavy fan. But it just doesn't seem that interesting. And if I had to, to level out like in order of which ones I would have 
like we want to see Lisi still want to see. First is going to be Duncan and Popovich because it just seems like it's going to be boring. It's a lot of success, but it's boring. It just yeah. It, it just spells out boring. I don't see any kind of drama. Uh, at worst, drama you're going to get is Kawhi and Popovich, and that kind of happened after the championship uh, era. Um, then you have the Heatles. They're they're the least. I'm gonna want to see out of that too, uh, because we we know what happened. Uh, it's it seems pretty recent, um, and it was a shorter amount of time I think than any one of the other stints. If you want to see a story about overcoming the media versus a team outside of a team uh, towards what all things pointed on them, yeah, that's a good nice story. But unless some other crazy drama comes out, it's not that interesting. Then you have the Warriors and you have Kobe and Shaq. It just it's beef all around there because of the Kevin Durant adding to the Warriors situation. And of course, Shaq and Kobe, it's already known how they used to go back and forth, but ended up working well together. Um, so I'm kind of tied up between Warriors and Kobe and Shaq because Kobe and Shaq years didn't have the Twitter, didn't have IG, didn't have all this other back stuff that they can put inside a story that adds to what's what was happening. Uh, so I may have to go Warriors and then Kobe Shaq. I can respect that. I, I, I'm definitely interested in the Warriors dynasty. Um, Kevin Durant adds a lot of fire to that because of how he left and how he There's was even drama whenever that. he went over there. Yeah. Um, LeBron, but he, he had just stopped him. It's a crazy storyline. <laughs> well, let's LeBron's not in this, so let's <laughs> Well, he, he would be. No, he really would be because within that 24... Okay, they won the championship the year before. That would start the documentary. Then the year after that, when they faced uh, LeBron... They lost in the three four lead. It has to be in there. It's the big, it's the biggest drama. It's the it's just a big thing because it then affected the Kevin Durant move literally for the next year. So it has to be in there. Um, well, really, I, I'm just saying he shouldn't be the focal point. That's what I'm oh, saying. Oh no, no, not at all, not at all. You're right, definitely not at all. Yeah. Um, and I I guess he yeah he he, he did affect his. His move to Golden State, but I don't think he was the biggest reason why. No, no, I'm not saying for Kevin Durant. I'm saying for the Warriors. The most beneficial situation for both sides of the of the, of the table was Kevin Durant. No, he could out overstack the table by getting on this team and do a lot of stuff with ease and being welcome, along with getting a championship ring, which was the one proven thing he didn't have, along with his status of. Uh, accolades, scoring titles, and things like that. For the Warriors, it was LeBron just came back against us 3-1. We've got to go out here and get Kevin Durant. That's what they literally went and did. So they could tool up enough to be more than what he is. Yeah, but I think it would have been a pretty fair um, matchup if they wouldn't have Kevin Durant. I mean, yes, I'm, I'm pretty sure they, they would have been able to that win. That would have made it fair. I agree. I agree. But he stacked the table. We all felt that way. It was going to be an even. It, it was going to be a toss-up on whether Golden State was going to win it or not win it. But they they stacked the table to where there was no question whether they were going to win. <laughs> it was. 
Was there yeah, a big question? I, I agree. I agree. Um, I kind of tuned out basketball for a while after that. Um, I mean, I still watched here and there, but man, it really took imagine, a lot of the, the flavor out of it. Just imagine the, the drama, the stuff that you can pull up, the Twitter finger situation, the whole situation where Kevin Durant had a ghost account and was literally out here tweeting fans and, and clapping back at OKC uh, um, fans on top of that, him being beloved there and coming back. And now they make made his nickname Cupcake. It'd be pretty interesting, I, I, it, I will say. It's the say. most interesting one, I think, out of the uh, four. And I know we spent a lot of time on that, but I'll move on. Um, also, with the whole documentary of The Last Dance, there has been the beef between MJ and Isaiah. Well, as of in the past couple of days, audio has came up clearly having Michael Jordan saying he won't play if Isaiah plays. And so, do you think MJ should feel bad about lying and killing Isaiah's image. Hmm. Should he feel bad? Um. You know, we already know he's not going to feel bad, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> should he feel bad? You know what? No, I don't think he should feel bad. Um, because he was a part of the Bad Boy Pistons, and. He did some bad things. I mean, he was taking people out of the air. He was aggressive. He was just one of the baddest people on the Bat Boy Pistons. Um, so, no, I don't think Michael Jordan should feel bad because he did it to himself. And, I mean, he has the right to say that he does not want to play with him. Yeah, I definitely think he should feel bad. Um I, I looked up the stats, and Isaiah was actually quite great. Like, he really, when they say he might have been the best point guard ever, I still don't put him at the best ever, but he's up there. He had an MVP year. He won championships, and he was the MJ stopper uh, before he could actually get off and get these championships. But due to Jordan's success, he destroyed Isaiah's image and kept him from going to any Olympic game. Uh, that was his one chance uh, due to some things that happened in the government and some people deciding not to go uh, one of the following years uh, for the Olympics. Isaiah never got to go, even though he was in the very top of people who should have been there, a part of the dream team. Jordan should feel bad. Uh, I mean, and, I, I, and he lied. I, I guess. And, and what? He lied. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he definitely did lie. He, he both he said just that, lied and said he didn't do it. Yeah, he said he had nothing to do with Isaiah Thomas not playing. And most people backed him up on that, uh, which also makes them liars. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's crazy that you can come up with some audio, literally where all this time, they've had, this beef has been out there, uh, even this whole whether that MJ said it, and it goes this long all through a documentary and somewhere, somehow the internet is undefeated and finds the audio for MJ saying it, which is crazy upon crazy. I felt like that would have taken some type of government recording from an old cell phone to actually have this happen. Yeah, there's so much footage. The 90s. That wasn't even cell phones. There's so much footage that they just have not released. I mean, they can make another documentary just like the director said. 
True, but I, I just I find it so crazy that you can just oddly out of nowhere find some audio with him directly saying it. After all these years, somehow it surfaces. And it's not like there were cell phones around in the 90s. Like, they were around, but they weren't doing anything they do now. Other than calling people. Yeah, I agree. But And it wasn't that successful that, at, that, at that time also. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, all of this stuff has been around for years. Somebody paid enough money to get it out there. True. Uh, I, I, I guess so. The internet is always undefeated. Um, but we move on to Spike Lee and him deciding to do a remix or having an idea for a remix of He Got Game. Now, the first He Got Game what featured Jesus Shuttleworth, the character's name, but also known as Ray Allen on when it comes to actual NBA. He was a phenom at that time and also has grown to become a legend. Uh, so, Spike is actually looking to feature Zion Williamson in that main star role for the sequel of He Got Game. So, how do you feel about Zion stepping into that role? Um, I, I kind of feel like it will be kind of like Space Jam in a way, because I mean, I'm not really sure of his acting skills. And just for a side note, I have not seen the first one, so I don't know that much about the oh, first man. movie. Oh, man. I, I must address this first then. Okay. <laughs> no, go ahead. Because uh, He Got Game is a cult classic for two main reasons. Ray Allen and Denzel Washington. And the performance in the whole movie. It's not like Ray Allen's performance was just that great. It was just enough to get everything through. And just to kind of give you an idea of what the, the storyline's about, or, or, or at least some highlights of what people like about the movie, Jesus, Jesus Shuttlesworth, which is why, that's why people call Ray Allen Jesus Shuttlesworth, that's the um, character in the, in the movie, he was a phenom. And he didn't know where he was going to go to uh, college and he had all these offers or whether he was going to go to the league uh, and all this other stuff. He was just a, a giant phenom like LeBron, like Zion, like very few, but some people we've uh, recognized before. Well, his storyline is his father wasn't there because his uh, father accidentally killed his mother in a in a fight. Like he just he pushed her. She hit her head on the side of the stove. She died. So he went to prison for many years and he didn't have his father. He didn't have his mother. So when his father gets out of jail right around the time he's this popular basketball player, because his father used to be also a popular basketball player, just never made it that far. He he's trying to be there for him. He's trying to say, you ain't ready for this. You, uh, this is what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. And he's not trying to hear it all while everybody's kind of trying to come at him in many different ways, even. Uh, a girl, his own girlfriend who's cheating on him and also trying to trick him. It's a very interesting movie if you have not uh, seen it yet. It's, it's more than Space Jam. It's much more than Space Jam. Oh, yeah. Um, that's probably why I didn't see it, because it was rated R. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, at the time. I agree. I agree. I understand why you wouldn't have seen it, but it is definitely worth the, the watch, and those aren't in the same ballpark. If anything, he got game is in the same ballpark as loving basketball. Okay, I, that's I'll the same ballpark. Put on the list. 
that's the same ballpark. Literally the same ballpark as those two. And that's why it's a cult classic. So with that knowledge, how do you feel about Zion stepping into that role? Especially with the whole looming of the uh, scandal from college uh, getting paid, even though we don't care as much about him getting paid. I don't think that should matter in this case. He has already gotten past that. He's past college. Um, So I I don't think that scandal should have any effect on this movie. But I just have not really paid paid attention to him that much to see if he could pull something like this off to carry a whole movie. Um, And maybe they see something in him where he can, but it just seems like it'll be stale. I, I, I hear you, but if I, almost any other movie, it's because if you watch this movie, Ray Allen was extremely nonchalant, extremely nonchalant in this movie, never really got excited um, it's not like he had to pull off any heavy acting moves. He just kind of needed to be a regular, like his regular role of knowing basketball life. So I think Zion, if he plays that nonchalant, not too high-spirited role, then he can do it. But if he tries to play up to the camera and be excitable and uh, exciting and all this other stuff outside of his regular play, on the uh, on the court, because I think that'll be perfect. His dunking and all of that other stuff would be perfect for the actual movie. Uh, but it's 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 just whether he either plays up to the camera or he just goes off nonchalant like Ray Allen did. Yeah, if the if they write it well enough to the point where he can just be himself, then it can work. Yeah, it, you you it, trust me. That is a must see if you uh, and it has. Denzel Washington. That makes him one of the biggest things. It's one of his biggest roles. So yes, it's, and def- it's definitely not in the ballpark of uh, of Space Space Jam. Yeah, and also another basketball player just recently. He played in Uncut Gems as himself, Kevin Garnett. He was yeah. great. Yeah, I, I, yeah, actually, he was really great in that movie. I do have to agree, um, even though he was playing himself. But uh, I'll move it along. Uh, so. Uh, speaking of the last dance, and uh, numbers have come on sides of both Michael Jordan and LeBron being the GOAT. Uh, one of the most interesting fact, stats is that MJ's matchups head to head against the Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and Isaiah Thomas during his stint in the league. With his matchups against those three, he fared. 27 for 58 head to head against these all time greats, including the postseason. So, does this stat change your mind at all about how high, how high you should put him in the all time list since he didn't fare well against the other all time greats during his era? I, I think, with most cases for anybody, you have to look at it case by case or game by game in a way because just looking at the record does not say enough about the player just looking at the numbers that's one part of the 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 facts but not not in totality you have to look at their complete game the situations how they performed in those situations 
Um, so I don't think this really changes much of anything. I just think people are just looking for something to talk about. I can agree uh, that people are looking for something to talk about, but numbers don't lie. 27 for 58 is a, it's not even half. He's not even 50% for head-to-head against Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and Isaiah Thomas. But it is a kind of a uh, overweighed stat because a lot of that happened before Michael Jordan became MJ, before he became like Mike, before he became the six-ring, three-ring champion best in the world. A lot of that happened when it was during the last parts of their era. Like, he did beat Magic Johnson for his first championship, but a lot of that Magic Johnson was in the tail end of his career and his dominance. Jordan was in his early ages, along with Larry Bird, because he aligns with Magic Johnson. And then Isaiah Thomas, he constantly beat up on Michael Jordan and got his revenge eventually, but that was only a one-year thing. Uh, about the getting the revenge against Isaiah Thomas. So it did swift, like shift my thoughts at least a little bit because those are the biggest all-stars of his era because I can't think of anybody outside, like outside of them, that those thoughts should mean a lot because it would mean a lot when LeBron faced against Kevin Durant, if when LeBron faced against... Uh, Steph Curry, when LeBron's t- faced against anybody, it would count. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it would count a lot against LeBron because I think it's because of the age of social media and people are able to react so, so, uh, so, so quickly because that that was not around whenever Jordan was a, was playing. People weren't able to. Well, you weren't able to see every single person's reaction um like point blank is it's just so different than what it was before um but that's not an excuse I, I i still feel like even even with that record i don't think that should be counted against his career because you have to look at where they were in those certain at at those certain points in his career i can agree but if we're really counting it against LeBron and a lot of other other people. We even count this against Kobe. We count this against many other players. It's not even just LeBron uh, that's held to this criteria. Um, I actually, at least to the next question, what do you feel should be the criteria for the GOAT conversation? I feel like the most important thing is consistency and winning and performing at the highest level whenever it really counts. Um, that that's that's really what what matters the most: consistently winning and performing at a high level. That's it. Okay. Um, <laughs> it, 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 like I know I'm so heavy, LeBron, but I am always searching searching for a stat that may persuade the, the non-believers to be believers of. Uh, LeBron being better than uh, Michael Jordan. So I know I'm probably being biased in my my vision, but the numbers don't lie. His biggest competition, he did not fare well against. Uh, But I'll I'll move it towards a big competitor against LeBron in his era, his Heatles era. Well, upon some new rumors um, by Kendrick Perkins of the 
around the time of the 2007 to 2009 Celtics, which the Celtics won in 2008. But Kendrick Perkins claims that the rivalry between Rondo and Ray Allen happened and was rooted in Ray Allen lobbying for the Celtics to trade Rondo for Chris Paul. So do you think it was smart for the Celtics to ignore Ray Allen's request? No. Um, I don't think that was smart because Chris Paul is at, I mean, a million times better than Rondo. Now, Rondo at his best is pretty good, but he's not as versatile. Um, Chris Paul is a, I mean, amazing player at his highest at his peak, he was so good. He's the stereotypical point guard that most people search for. He's a pass-first type of guy. He can also shoot and score whenever he needs to at a um, efficient level, and he can defend. He, he's really just got it all, and he's performed at a high level. He's just never won at a high level. Agreed. Um, I think a lot of people messed up Chris uh, Paul's blessings at least in his height of his career. Because uh, just in looking back at, it, back at it now, you remember they tried to pull off the trade for him to go to the Lakers, and he ended up at the Clippers, all because they denied the trade. Still no real reasons uh, I've gotten for why they would deny that trade. Uh, they just pulled a move where they were just saying it wasn't going to happen. But when it comes to this situation, the Celtics were absolutely dumb by, uh, by not acknowledging and looking to try to actually go after Chris Paul, especially to trade for Rondo. It cost them a championship. And it also cost um, Paul Pierce another notch against LeBron. Because there's been beef in the news now about uh, Paul Pierce saying that LeBron's not even top five ever. We'll get into that probably later on when the beef gets even more heated. But they could have ruined LeBron's error, his heedle error, easily. Because if that trade would have happened, that means Ray Allen does not go to the heat. That means Ray Allen doesn't hit the, the shot for actually probably the best clutch shot ever in NBA history for the Heatles and to save LeBron's legacy. Because it would have been tough for him to take that loss against the Spurs and for that miracle uh, hit that Ray Allen hit. That forced the Celtics to trade away Ray Allen when they took Rondo's side. That also means that they would have had a starting four. At least the top four would have been Chris Paul, Ray Allen, uh, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett. I'm, I feel like they would have beat the Heatles, honestly. Yeah, and I'm surprised that you said that, that Ray Allen shot saved his career because a lot of the LeBron defenders say that, oh, you got to look at what he did up until that point. Nah, um, <laughs> nah, bro. Yo, we, I was sweating, bro. I was sweating. It was in my heart, like, oh my god, like, do I need to consider that he's not the best? <laughs> That's where it was. <laughs> That's where it was at. <laughs> and that. when he hit that shot, my heart, oh god, I can still feel it. <laughs> this man, like, but I will forever be grateful to Bosch and Ray Allen. And if they did, if they only did that. They did everything they were supposed to do because 
without Bosch forcing to get that rebound, and without Ray Allen, without looking, step back for a three-pointer, not a two-pointer, clearly there with somebody rushing him in the face, all nothing but the bottom of the net. There, that's I can't. It's the best. It's honestly, it's, I think it's the most clutch shot ever in NBA history, for real. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. That that shot, it the had ropes, so much. They had the, they had so ropes, much was uh, on that out. shot. So much shot. So, so much was on that shot. If it didn't go down, I think the Heat big three would have been over. Bro, that's Jesus. Jesus showed up with words when he walked on uh, on Pine two steps back without looking and hit the shot. Man, this man. But I forever <laughs> like uh, Ray Allen. Forever <laughs> like Ray Allen. Well, they but said we that he practiced and, that shot. Bro, like he didn't look at all. Like he, there was not even, like you don't understand how little, you do, but maybe not other people understand how little space there is between the three-point line and the out of bounds. Oh um, yeah, it's tiny. On that corner shot. First of all, a corner shot is extremely hard. Now you're a professional, you understand that, but that's that's an open shot or a catch and shoot shot. This man catches a rebound, knows the mindset to step back, not go too far back where you would go out of bounds and game would clearly be over, and you have to hit this shot now and bottom of the net. That's why he is Jesus Jesus worth. Yeah, that, that shot was ridiculously clutch, and it is the most most clutch shot that I've ever seen. Um, but so much weighed on that shot. It I did. mean, I think it, it saved his legacy. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not one of the deniers of thinking that because it would have been a disaster for his career and his legacy if he had lost that. Yeah, and he only would have had one at the time. Oh, it, it, like it, it, I, I know a lot of people put a lot of weight on Kyrie's shot when he hit that three pointer, but I really don't think that was anywhere close to the Ray Allen shot. No, it's nowhere near. I mean, first okay. off, the games would have still do. been tied. Some people feel that way. Uh, maybe uh, no. in certain audiences. But I'll, I'll move it along <laughs> to the current day of the NBA. Now, the NBA is officially aiming to resume in July. And looking at a sole uh, place for everything to happen, along with the second place, but I'll go with the, the main place that they're really looking at is Disney ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex in Florida. And will be the single site, as of right now, of all NBA games, practices, and housing. Maybe a second site in Las Vegas just to accommodate the West Coast. Uh, other things that are proposed in the return for the NBA is a World Cup soccer-style playoff of with group stages format. I will have Muhammad explain that a little bit more, uh, but one of the biggest things they're also looking at, because the NBA Players Association is calling players and getting feedback on possible return scenario where the league would consider a 1 through 16 playoff format with no conferences. Just to give you a brief idea of what that may look like, uh, but it would be like the Western Conference top team playing the Eastern Conference worst team, but only by records, how they would match up. It'd be a 1 through 6 scenario by your record. Um, which is quite different from the normal way the NBA championship happens. Western Conference always battles against the Eastern Conference champions, and they never play each other's uh, teams until they get there. But 
with this proposed format, the first round matchups would be the Lakers versus Nets, Bucks versus the Magic, Boston Celtics versus the 76ers, the Dallas Mavs versus the Clippers, the Jazz versus Rockets, and the Heat versus OKC, just to highlight the biggest matchups. But is this the type of matchups and format what people want to see? I would say yes. This is definitely what people want to see. Um, people have been tired of the narrative of um, the the Western Conference being so much stronger than the Eastern Conference, and they just want to um, get the top 16 teams in the playoffs. And I think this is just the best way to do it. You have one through 16. Um, they go against each other, and you see who's really the best. And you drop out those those weaker teams that would not have put on a great show in the first place. Because it, it's rare that you have an upset in uh, the NBA playoffs because they have to play seven games. Um, so I really like this format, and I hope that they consider having this for the future. Yeah, I think this is what people want to see. And why not when you're housing everybody in the same place? It's, it's already a college tournament style type of thing anyway. You can literally go hang out with your boy from the other team right down the uh down the hall i know there will be some limitations on contact but if you're all good on COVID, why not hang out with each other otherwise y'all all gotta go home but <laughs> just to be a side note uh but i definitely think this is what people want to see uh people want to see who's supposed to be against the weaker team supposed to be against the better team or uh even this idea of a world cup style of group Thing. I'm, I'm even down for that, even though I'm not even fully sure what that means. <laughs> so if you can go ahead and elaborate on what the uh, World Cup style of group stage format is would kind of look at, look like. So basically with the group stages, you have four teams in each kind of like uh, group and they all do a round robin. They all play each other one time. And the top two teams, they move forward to the next round where it's a single elimination. Mm. Do you think they would? Well, I mean, that's in some... soccer. That, that's yeah, in you're soccer. right. You're right. Uh, <laughs> so I, I don't even know how that would uh, play out with single elimination. Maybe they make it five game series versus seven, which would change a lot of the way series would play out because we've seen other times where people are up three three games by the time you get to the fifth game uh three one and things well we haven't fully seen that we only saw that with kevin durant and lebron versus the warriors but uh not to kind of side jab but um i guess i don't know i'm not quite sure but i'm definitely down for anything that involves them actually playing yeah, um, I wouldn't mind the group stage type of playoff, but I think you have to have more than just one game elimination. That's that's really too short unless you think this uh, next wave of the pandemic is going to come very soon. I, I think they play at least five games in a series. Yeah, let's let's keep this going. Um, I'm just I wonder. That is a good. Uh, um thing to think about whether they would want to shorten it to limit the possibility of the spread um, into quicken getting a champion. But 
I don't know. I don't think they want to change too much to the outcome of who will become a champion. But uh, to move on about this return, Damian Lillard says he won't return if the Blazers don't have a real shot at making the playoffs. They currently sit in the three spot behind the eighth seed in the West, the only spot up for grabs. Um, So, would returning be a waste of Dame's time, or is there more to gain from him playing it out? I think it's mostly a waste of time, mainly because I think he was hurt for a certain amount of time, and he might be still trying to recover from that, or maybe it's just nagging. Uh, So, if it's going to cause him to be not on track for the next year, then I would not play. Don't risk it. Um, the team is not going to make the playoffs, and there, there's no reason to go and play. Gotcha. I I can agree. Um, only thing to gain, not being bored. That's about it. Because <laughs> he risks his health. He has to travel far away from where he lives. It's literally probably the furthest way, uh, place away from Orlando. Like Seattle, I think it's literally the furthest place away from Orlando out of all the teams, even Toronto. Uh, so uh, I, I just don't see much to gain. He already has money. He's already a, a franchise player. They're more than likely not going to make the playoffs anyway. So other than not being bored, there's really no reason. Yeah, I mean, he can go to the games and sit on the bench, but I mean, don't risk your injury. And I'm sorry, I said uh, Seattle, but Portland, uh, Portland, Oregon, which is right by Washington uh, State. Sorry, because I said Seattle. I, I did uh, remember that. They no longer have the Supersonics. Yeah, nobody would have noticed. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would just say that, that I'm pretty sure that's the furthest distance away from Orlando. And why would you do that not to make the playoffs? Yeah. Um... Yeah, there's, there's really no reason to try to get out there and play. Definitely, if you're not going to make the playoffs, it's it's a it's really a waste of time. Yeah, and out of those first round matchups that I said earlier, I will say back out. Uh, which one do you feel is the matchup you would want to see the most with the Eastern Conference playing the Western Conference, even in its first round? Lakers versus Nets, the Bucks versus Magic, the Boston versus Philly, Dallas Mavs versus the Clippers, Jazz versus versus Rockets, and the Heat versus versus OKC. Which one is the most interesting first round matchup? Hmm. I mean, that, that's a hard one. But I think the. I mean, this might have happened even without joining the two conferences. But the Mavs and the Clippers, because the Mavs are a pretty good team. They're up and coming. Um, I want to see how they go up against the Clippers. I mean, maybe they give them a run for the money and, uh, you know, just have them on the, the edge of their seat. But I, I think that's the most interesting one and the closest matchup for the most part, I think. Um, I'm tied between two, but I'm really interested in this other. And it's not it's not the one you said at all. Um, Lakers versus Nets, hands down, because at this point, Kevin Durant's going to come back. And that's Kevin Durant and Kyrie versus the LeBron and, and AD Lakers first round. I would that is got to be 
extremely interesting. I'm very also interested in Boston Celtics versus Philly because whoever loses that round will feel that their season was a waste and they're going to change things around. I don't say so much for Boston, but definitely for Philly. Okay, when you put it like that, yeah, those are pretty interesting. Um, It's really hard to see Kyrie being able to stay on the court. I think that's the thing that holds it back even more than Kevin Durant. What do you mean by staying on the court? Like injury-wise or just injury-wise? I mean, it could be really both, but I think it's more injury (laughs) than anything. Well, he's had more than enough time. There's been a, a complete break between now and then. Along with, that's one reason why it's pretty much a shoe-in that Kevin Durant will return. He just got lucky that a season got stretched out. He has a possibility, at least a small possibility, of being an NBA champion the same year he was supposed to be out a full year. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting, but I still think the question mark is Kyrie Irving. Okay, I can can respect that. I can definitely respect that, Uh, even though I really like Kyrie. It's, it's mood-wise uh, when it comes to him personally. I don't think it's uh, when it comes to that injury-wise. I think he can push through it. But uh, with this whole single site being in Disney and Florida, Orlando, uh, with a minimum of 25 people from each team being located at the single basketball location, uh, along with the media, how do you see this transition looking like? Um, it's... It's going to be different. Um, and I think initially that they're not going to have any fans. So it's going to be very different. You're going to hear a lot more um, curse words, people going at each other. You can hear exactly what they say. Um, they might just turn the cameras, I mean, not the camera, the microphones off near the court. Um, so it, it's going to be very interesting. It's just going to be less people in the, in the uh, arenas. So, I, I mean, I still think it'd be entertaining, but it's going to be different. I agree, but I have a different perspective on that. I don't think there's going to be a lack of without an actual fan crowd. You have the other players. They were literally in the central spot. What else is there to do other than watch the, the featured game? You get to see the players root for the other players and root against other uh, players. Or get to watch them and learn their tricks. It's a whole new world when it comes to Orlando. Uh, to quote um, Mr. Rogers, but or sorry, actually, uh, what, what what song was that? Whole new world. Mm, I can't even remember. It's something with Disney, <laughs> but <laughs> it has to do with. Oh Disney. no, that's Aladdin. Um, Aladdin, but it's still Disney. There we go. We found it. But it's a whole new world of uh, perspective here. You will have the overabundance of media because literally there's not going to be much else to do. There's some other sports opening up as we will go ahead and get into here uh, next, but everybody's going to be localized there, which will heighten the possibility of the disease happening uh, to someone or enough people for them to shut things down. But if they are able to quarantine it enough, it's going to consist, that crowd is going to consist of other players. And I think that's also interesting to watch. Yeah, it'll be interesting, but it's still not going to be anywhere near the amount of people. If they if they had fans, they might get maybe yeah. half of the bottom floor field. Agreed. I, but I don't think they need that much. I honestly think they would love to play for each other. At this point, they are just as desperate for sports as we are. 
Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, a lot of people are bored right now. I'm not exactly a, bored. <laughs> and this is a one-in-a-lifetime experience, especially for them. Because let's say things do get back to a normalcy in the, uh, in the world and uh, players are localized in their single cities. This is like the Olympics for all the teams and all the players, not just the top players, it's all the players. You get to learn like where they would never be around each other or never hold practices together or never see, get to see how they practice, they get to do this now. And it just creates a whole new element, I personally think. Yeah, it, uh, um, yeah it, it'll be very different, that's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, okay. So uh, with the return of different sports slowly happening, Hockey is actually up first for major American sports. So going straight, one of the things they have already uh, let out is that they will be going straight to the playoffs and with a new format. So is this the year America really watches hockey playoffs? I think that hockey had its certain group of people that watched it, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it was pretty popular. Um, but I, I think it, it definitely the numbers will raise up when it comes to um, that the, the viewership. Um, I don't think hockey has been ever looked at as one of the highest viewing sports. And I, I mean, I, I guess a lot of people will tune in just because there is nothing else going on. Yeah, I, honestly, it's going to uh, feel my bloodthirst uh, <laughs> craving. You know, that NFL bloodthirst that America has for collision and slight violence in their games. Because I'm, yeah. I'm a little more, I'm more, I'm more honest about it. And if other Americans are more honest about it, that's what they want to. That's why they love football. This is the closest thing we're going to get. Basketball is finesse. It's, it's storyline. It's other things. But hockey can replace that feeling of football, at least for now, especially since they're first up on major American sports. Oh, yeah. It can, it can definitely play that role. But the NFL is happening. And, and that will be the biggest draw <laughs> whenever it comes back. <laughs> I, I, you're right. But that's also a delay on their return, even for a training camp. So uh, from since hockey's starting up pretty soon here, uh, they should be done with their playoffs before football even becomes uh, returns to even training camp. Yeah, hopefully, um, because those yeah, numbers them, are going to go way down. <laughs> hope, yeah, hopefully for hockey. But with the nature of hockey, how long do you think it will be before a player tests positive for COVID-19? I think it will be within maybe a day. Because, <laughs> I mean, we, we already saw with uh, is it the UFC? The, the guy he had to drop out of his fight because his whole crew got the virus or tested positive. So it's it's only a matter of time. It's going to happen. But I think with what happened over this past weekend with Memorial Day, people are just going to ignore it to a certain degree and still play. Yeah, people are definitely at an I don't care moment. It is completely I don't care. It, it literally the numbers go up absolutely every single day that they let people just be out. 
it is. It, it's just what it is. Uh, it's it's always the record high for that state when they released a little bit more of the quarantine. Um, but yeah, I agree about a day, man. In the hockey, they spit. That's one of the problems they're having with the whole baseball return on their culture. It's just spitting out sunflower seeds and tobacco and stuff like that. Hockey's worse. They they fight. They they knock out teeth. They actually have blood on the uh, ice. It's 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 a different culture when it comes to hockey, and they're that gritty, even kind of worse than football players about flight type of hygiene type thing. Uh, that I, I think it. Yeah, I, I agree. It'll take about a day. Yeah, it, it won't be too long before somebody tests positive. Um, it won't be until we see at an even larger level of deaths that people will take it even more seriously. That's true, but it is that's what sucks. Um, people aren't going to take it as serious because it is a high rate for getting over it, which is a good thing, but also not when it comes to getting it completely out of the circulation of people constantly catching it. Yeah, and it's... I mean, human nature is to just go against the grain. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they, people simply don't care. Uh, of course, that's a whole conversation for a whole nother podcast. But I'll move it to our last subject, which is Mike Tyson. Yes, he's came back again in our subject. And for great reason. He has been uh, showing off recently with his abil- ability to knock out, to be that knockout king that we knew him as with impressive workouts and hard-hitting uh, boxing sparring sessions so recently with since that has all come out mike tyson has been offered 20 million dollars plus to fight for the bare knuckle fighting championship so is there any more impressive fights left in iron mike I think there's a, a good bit of fight left in Iron Mike because you saw how he wanted to tear through that one guy who was training him. So I, I think there's plenty left. It's just whether he's in shape enough to go against one of these other boxes. I'm not sure who that will be. Maybe it'll be somebody who comes out of retirement just like him to fight. But, um, yeah, there's, there's plenty of fight left in him. Yeah, Um it was if there is any impressive fight left in them. So uh, that <laughs> oh, impressive. On it. Impressive. Yeah, impressive. So I still do think it's some impressive fight left in him. And honestly, I don't think there's a losing. He can really lose in this situation, even if he lost. We Mike Tyson has become the lovable figure. Um, almost any whether he does something stupid or not. And he's no longer the level of Dennis Rodman. Uh, stupid acts anymore um so except for him getting not completely out him pissing himself and becoming a meme he'll be okay and when it comes to whether he has impressive fighting him i think he could knock somebody out i don't think he's gonna face anybody who's just too much uh better than him and I don't know whether they're going to weigh it up by age here. But I think, yes, he definitely has some impressive fight uh, left in him that we'll be able to see it. Because I think he's going to take this offer. And I'm not quite sure how the bare knuckle uh, championship, whether he actually has to fight with bare knuckles. I actually feel sorry for the other person if that's the actually 
the case. Yeah, I don't know of anybody who would try to sign up for that, but <laughs> Kimbo yeah. Slice when he was alive. Yeah, but man, I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's uh, Iron Mike, but that's twenty million dollars too. I, I wouldn't mean turning that down, especially if I'm doing all this training and I got to just more than likely do what he was going to do. Knock somebody out like, uh, like it's just it's not too much. Like if he felt like it, he can go around or two and be like, I'm tired and fall down. And nobody would still wouldn't feel too bad about the situation. But everybody's going to tune in. Yeah, everybody's going to tune in, but it's not going to get him another fight, at least for not that much money. I don't think that's the scenario would it actually happen. I just I actually think he would probably knock the person out like he would. It would be some, oh, he's filling them out. He's filling them out. Oh, it's not that interesting. And out of nowhere, he started going to work. Yeah, that's the best case scenario. But I think he's going to find it hard to keep his legs. I can see that. But that's why I told you his strategy strategy should always be to be the knockout king and to knock him out and no less than the first three rounds. Honestly, I feel like he should do it in the first. Yeah, he better or going to be in trouble. Eh. Yeah, his $20 million a uh, cushion that fall. But uh, we got to here to the end of this. So you think, you know, sports, uh, we have the, Last part, like we do each week, Muhammad comes up with the questions. I try to give you some information on the subject, if I know it, and try to get the answers right. Uh, all multiple choice, and you should try to guess also. You can go ahead with the first question, Muhammad. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is synonymous with the number seven, but what other number did he wear at Real Madrid? A, nine, B, eight, or C, five? Ay, ay, ay. Um. Mm. Oh, dang. Hit me with a soccer question. Uh, I'm going to have to think this one out. Go ahead one more time with this. Cristiano Ronaldo is synonymous with the number seven. But what other number did he wear at Real Madrid? A, nine, B, eight, or C, five? Um, I really don't know here. Um, man, I don't like. I I I can't logic. I can't make this logic about it. I'm just gonna be purely guessing because I feel like I saw him in this number, but it could have been another player. But I'm gonna go with eight B. It's wrong. It's nine. Oh, number nine. Any reason why? No. I, I mean, I don't have a reason. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, any reason why he t- chose nine? No, I'm not sure. Uh, well, he had nine at Real Madrid. Now he's on Manchester United with number oh, seven. I guess the number was taken, but I don't know. Uh, we'll go ahead with the next question. <laughs> All right. What company did Vince Carter sign his first shoe endorsement with? A, Puma, B, Nike. Or C, Converse. Hmm. Dang, that is a complicated question. 
I don't think it's Nike. I really don't think it's Nike. Um, but go ahead one more time with the question. What company did Vince Carter sign his first shoe endorsement with? A, Puma, B, Nike, or C, Converse? So the odd uh, one would obviously be Puma. But I'm not too sure he would go with Puma. I honestly think it's Converse. So I'm going to say Converse, even though those aren't the best soccer. I mean, sorry, sorry, the best basketball shoes. Should have went with the odd one. It's Puma. That was the first one. Mm, I thought it would be an odd thing, but I wasn't about to choose that one. It just just (laughs) screams pink. And I can't associate it with Vince Carter, but keep going. (laughs) All right. Who has the longest winning streak in UFC history? A, Conor McGregor, B, John Jones, or C, Anderson Silva? Mm, I think I know this one, but uh, I definitely don't think it's Conor McGregor. Not at all. Uh, I rolled my eyes when I saw that. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I really don't (laughs) think it's uh, him. Um, So I guess just one more time with the questions and answers. Who has the longest winning streak in UFC history? A, Conor McGregor, B, John Jones, or C, Anderson Silva? I I definitely think it's Anderson Silva, but I know John Jones is a bad man. Um, But I think he's had too much trouble. or I'm not sure whether he actually lost a fight. Um, I'm going to go with Anderson Silva. Finally got one right. <laughs> well, I know about UFC. I, I was pretty sure on that one when I heard, heard it. Like I was pretty sure. I wasn't. I just had to think it through. But I, I definitely not would would not have guessed Puma for Vince Carter or the number nine. I just didn't know that one at all. Yeah. So um, one for three. I mean, it's better than nothing. Yeah, it's something. <laughs> but uh, this has been so you think you know sports. See you next week.